Right, for this morning we'll be uh, going to um, still carry on in the series of the study that we've been having for uh, some, uh, I would say, weeks and months now, which is on We Are Overcomers. And today we are looking at the name, the blood, and the word. The name, the blood, and the word. And um, hopefully as we go on you will understand why those are three. And the scripture reading is taken from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll read from verses 1, 18 to 19, and then we read Philippians chapter 2 from 8 to 10, and Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Now these three scriptures talk about the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and also the power in the word. And we'll see how that relates to us as Christians as we talk about uh, being overcomers or being victorious in Christ Jesus. So 1 Peter chapter 1, I'll read verse 18 to verse 19. And he says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. So no matter how precious gold and silver is, the Bible says they do lose their value. And in verse 19 it says, it was with the precious, that's how he describes the blood of Jesus, with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And we go to the next scripture in the book of Philippians chapter 2, and verse 8 to 10. And this is Jesus, he says, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him, this is what God gave him, the name above all other names. So the first scripture we read talks about the blood and now this is the name and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, he says, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And I think that's a very powerful scripture uh, there. And the last scripture is in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And this is talking about the word of God. He says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Translation who said, the word of God is quick and powerful. So that's what it means, it's alive and powerful. And it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It says, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. But note the first phrase there. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for these um, verses of scripture. And as we look at the name, the blood, and the word, Lord, I pray that indeed we will see the power in your name, in the blood, and also in the word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Right. For those who were here last Sunday um, with us, if you remember what we looked at last Sunday as part of our lessons, we looked at our armor as Christians or our spiritual armor still within the lesson on We Are Overcomers uh, from that scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10. And one of the things that came across from that scripture that I read to us last Sunday on our spiritual armor is that we are not called to fight a battle without putting on the armor that God has provided for us. And we saw what those um, pieces of armor is in the scriptures. 
But one of the lessons I think that came across from last Sunday, as I explained that to us, is that sometimes some Christians are more interested in looking at those individual armor that we have in the scripture. And they are thinking, oh, have I got the helmet of salvation? Have I got the breastplate of righteousness? Uh, Have I got the sword of the spirit? But actually, what it simply means for us is we are called to put on Christ. Let the presence of Christ rule and dwell in us. Because once you've got Christ in your life and you have a deep relationship with him, of course, you've got the helmet, you are saved. You know the scriptures, you're, you're ready to proclaim the word of God. You've got faith in your life. So everything that you see in those verses of scripture that we looked at is centered on Christ. And the emphasis is on building a solid relationship with Christ. So that that armor, the things that you see, becomes more or less like something that is part and parcel of your everyday walk with God. And we also saw the importance of an active prayer life for us as Christians. But when we look at what we have before us, which is the name, the blood, and the word, and I think this is a very important aspect of our victory as we talk about God making us overcomers. Because we need to understand what it means when we talk about the name of Jesus, the power in that name. We want to understand what it means for us when we talk about the blood of Jesus. We want to know what it means for us when we talk about the power that is in the word of God. But I'm going to ask us this question. I don't need an answer, but you can think about this. Have you ever in your life maybe avoided someone solely because you didn't like what that person had to say? Now, I have been through that before. There are people I'd rather avoid them because I just don't want to hear what they have to say. And I'm sure that that's something that we do. Maybe the person use a bit of profanity in their words or anytime you're around them, they are constantly swearing and saying things that actually you really don't want to be a part of. Or maybe they've made some really negative comments and they are always very negative. And sometimes you want to shield yourself from all of that. And in the same way, some people who are not Christians dislike or don't like being around Christians because we talk about our faith. We talk about the things that God has done for us. We talk about how the joy of the Holy Spirit fills our heart and the righteous living that God also have called us to live. So just as each of us, we are uncomfortable around people, certain people, because of what they say to us, so also the enemy of our soul, and we know that it's the devil, is very uncomfortable as well. And there are things that the enemy hates to hear from us as Christians. And when we are engaged in this spiritual battle or warfare that the scripture have called us to, we need to understand that so also the devil, there are things that he hates to hear from the lips of a Christian. Actually, the more you don't say them, the happier the enemy is. But the more you say them, the more you use them, then the enemy will be put to flight. And that is why we are looking at the name, the blood, and the word. And these are the things that the enemy of our soul hates to hear. He doesn't want us to be armed with these three things that I've just mentioned. The power in the name of Jesus, the power in the blood of Jesus, and the power in the word of God. Three things very powerful that the enemy hates to hear in the, in the lips of a Christian. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at just one this morning, and that is the power in the name of Jesus Christ. And hopefully subsequent Sundays we'll finish up with the other two. Now I'm going to take us to an interesting story in the book of Acts chapter 3. And that's where we see an encounter that um, 
the Bible recounts there in Acts chapter 3. And it talks about the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And I think it's a good place to start, really. If you go to Acts chapter 3, and I want you to follow this story from Acts chapter 3, from verses 1 to verse 6. And it tells us about Peter and John, who went to the temple. It was about the time of prayer. And so, one afternoon, they were going to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So it was part of their custom. They always went there to pray and to commune. And something happened. As they approached the temple, a man that was lame from birth was being carried in. It says each day he was put beside the temple gate. Then the one, that is that man, called the, uh, the gate was called the beautiful gate. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. And that was his customs. Every day he sat down there looking for help and crying out for those who passed by to get some money of them. Just in the same way, maybe if you go down the city center, you've got some homeless people sitting there and some, of course, very destitute and had no help and they're asking for money or something or for food or whatever they, they want from you. And verse 3 says, when he saw, that is this man, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money because that's what he was expecting to receive from them. And verse 4 says that Peter and John looked at him intently. They were like their gaze were fixed on this man. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them. And eagerly he was expecting some money. Of course, he was expecting to receive something from them. But look at verse 6. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, he says, get up and walk. And we know what happened after this story. That that man who was lame right from birth, the Bible says, and it was a miracle that was recorded, that he stood up and he walked. When I read this verse of scripture, I wondered, but what gave Peter and John the authority or the ability to do what they did, or the confidence to actually do what they did? And when you look at it closely, Peter and John were simply doing what Jesus Christ had told them to do. If you remember when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus Christ said to his disciples on the night before his crucifixion, if you go to John chapter 16, from verse 23 to 24, and you see what Jesus commanded, that's why we need to understand why Peter and John did what they did. And if you go to John 16, look at verse 23 and verse 24. And he says, at that time, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples and also to us. He says, you wouldn't need to ask me anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request. Because, he says, you use my name. So Jesus here is beginning to tell the disciples what is going to happen. A time is going to come when you are going to speak to him directly. But in asking the Father, you are going to be asking in my Name And look at verse 24. He says, you haven't done this before. So prior to this time, their praying was different. Their asking was different. But he says, you haven't done this before. And he says, ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. So it was like the disciples knew exactly what Jesus Christ has commanded. And it's one thing for us to come to church, read the Bible, and see the examples of Scripture. But actually, we don't tend to practice or put them into practice. And so Peter and John were not just hearers of the word only. They were doers of the things that they've heard. Jesus Christ gave them a secret. He gave them a key. There is something about this name. 
You haven't done this before, but when I am gone, when I must have ascended into heaven, then you will begin to ask the Father, but then you will ask in my name. And you know, sadly today, some Christians think that the name of Jesus is something that we tack at the end, or tack along at the end of our prayers. You know, sometimes we pray, uh, Father, I want this done, or you know, at the end of your prayer, you just say, in Jesus' name. So something that in Jesus' name is just a way to end your prayer. But they don't understand the power behind that name. But when you look at what Jesus gave his disciples, the power that he gave them, it was like Jesus gave them the power you might call the power of attorney. And we know what that means. Let's say someone is about to die and he hands the power over to someone to act on his behalf, maybe to look after some of the um, the legal side of things or to maybe be the one to, like a middleman who talks on his behalf or who can uh, communicate with members of the family and get things done. And this is what Jesus Christ was doing here. That when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're actually praying as if Jesus Christ himself is praying. Just in the same way, the person who has the power of attorney can do some things which others can do. So Jesus is saying, it is all about the power in my name. How many times have we seen some Christians praying? And I've seen this quite a lot. You know, we pray. Maybe, Father, we want this done. Da, da, da. Then at the end of the prayer, we just say, Amen. But we have forgotten that you may have prayed, but actually you have not prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why I said, in the name of Jesus, it's not just saying, well, it's something that shows my prayer is over. But you are calling on a power, on the name of Jesus Christ. And I think that a prayer that is truly prayed in the name of Jesus is a prayer that is totally in line with God's word and God's will. So what we are doing is not something that is out of the will of God. What we are doing in praying in the name of Jesus is something that the Bible truly commands and wants us to do. Because when I studied the scriptures, I began to examine my praying. That sometimes all I just do, maybe, sometimes, you know, we pray, we look up to heaven, and we have a sigh, or we talk to God. But actually, do we understand the power in that name? And these disciples knew it. They looked at that man and they said, look at us, we've got nothing to give you. We don't have silver or gold. Yes, we know that there is something that you're looking for. But we are going to do something, and he says, in the name. And I'm wondering, couldn't they have done it without calling on the name of Jesus? But they knew that that name was powerful. They knew that that name was a name higher and greater than any other name. They knew that the name of Jesus embodies all the power and majesty that are right through Jesus and Jesus alone. They knew that his name is higher than any other name that can be named. Do you understand the power in the name of Jesus? Do you understand that at the name of Jesus that even demons tremble? Do you understand that at the name of Jesus, that is the name that is given to us by which we and everyone can be saved. Saved. The more the Holy Spirit breathes on you, the more the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to the reality of the name of Jesus. That's why somebody can lay hands and pray for someone and say, in the name of Jesus, you're not just, this is not wishful thinking, but you're calling on a name. You understand what that name means. But sadly, like I've said, some Christians don't understand the power of that name. 
Jesus Christ. Read all through the scriptures. I'm going to show some other examples. Every place in the scripture where you see healing taking place or someone doing something great in the New Testament, they always called on the name of Jesus Christ. So this is not just the disciples trying to exercise faith without understanding the power behind the one who's called them to exercise that faith. We'll see another example in the book of Acts chapter 16. And this one is quite an interesting one where Paul delivers a demon-possessed girl. In Acts chapter 16, look at verse 16. From verse 16 there, he says, One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, can you see the relationship between prayer and the mighty things they do? And it's all linked up. Always going to the place of prayer. Always going to the place of prayer. And sadly for us, we want to see great things happen. We want to use the name of Jesus, but then the prayer life is non-existent. We don't even talk to that God who has called us to pray in his name. We don't even have a prayer life. And this was a scripture that challenged me so much. Yes, you want to see great things happen. But how many times do we go to the place of prayer? How many times do we commune with that God? Because that is where the power as well is released. And we're going to see this. So as they were going down to the place of prayer, it says, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. So she was more like the spirit of divination. She was telling the future and people were taken by this. So she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling the fortune. See the difference. In the first scripture, the man didn't have any money and he was begging for arms. But here was someone who had money and was making money for her masters by telling fortunes. And she followed Paul and the rest of us. And look at what she was shouting. These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, what they were saying was true, because Paul was a servant of God, and he looked like she was operating through the real, uh, uh, by the Spirit, maybe, of God. But when you get to verse 18, see what happens in verse 18. And this went on day after day, until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you, can you see where the power is coming? I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he says, and instantly he left her. There again you see the power in the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't stand there and say, well, I know you followed us for some days now. I just pray that maybe God will help you out and your life will be sorted out. Uh, amen. And that is it. He addressed the problem. And sometimes, you know, a prayer sometimes can be very vague. We know what the situation is. And sometimes instead of addressing that situation by faith and trusting and believing, that as we call on this name, the name above every other name, that that name is more than able to deal and to handle with that situation. Paul says, I command you, not in my own name, not in the name of one great quote leader or, or of another religion or something, but I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And look at that. The Bible says, and instantly, he left her. And you know what the name of Jesus Christ does? The name of Jesus Christ is basically for us a constant reminder to the devil that he's not as great or as powerful as he is. Because the forces of darkness and demons and all that, they think they are great. And they exercise their influence and authority in this world. 
But the need why as Christians we need to constantly remind them of the name of Jesus is what we are saying is that this is a reminder to you, demons and the forces of darkness, that there is a name greater than you are. That you are not as powerful as you think. And that's why Paul commanded and said, in the name of Jesus, because this name is not something I'm putting at the end of my prayer to say that I'm just praying. But I know the power in this name. And what I'm saying to you is that you need to come out. Paul addressed that demon knowing fully well that the power in the name of Jesus is far greater than the power of the enemy. Is a reminder for the, to the devil and the demons that they don't have the relationship with the Father that Jesus Christ has. So when we call the name of Jesus, what we are saying to the enemy is that you don't have that relationship that Jesus Christ has. When Jesus Christ was here on earth, the Bible tells us it was God incarnate. Jesus Christ looked at the people and said, I and the Father, we are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So you can see that relationship between Jesus and the Father that sent him. I have not come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And so once you catch that picture and understand that this is something powerful that we are talking about here, that the name of Jesus is not a name to be taken lightly. It's not a name that we joke with as Christians. I don't know about you, but sometimes you see people, I would say, profaning the name of Jesus. You know, they add it in silly jokes and, um, and they expect people to laugh and they say things they ought not to say. Now, if you're a true Christian and you're a believer and you know how precious this name is and how powerful this name is, it will grieve your spirit. When you see people taking the name of Jesus lightly, you will know that that isn't right in your spirit. And this is why the Bible calls us as Christians to constantly remind the enemy of our soul that he is not as powerful as he thinks that he is. He's not as strong as he thinks that he is. That the name of Jesus, because Jesus has defeated all power here on earth, and even in heaven, the Bible tells us that that name is more than enough and powerful to deliver and to save us. And when Paul commanded the spirit to come out and he left her, and we know what happened after that, when the master saw that the demon had been cast out and this girl had been delivered, they all turned against Paul. And that tells us something about the battle and the warfare that we are involved in. I was speaking to someone the other day, and this person said to me, he said, I don't know, most times when I pray and I'm expecting, it looks like things are getting better. Then all of a sudden, it starts getting worse. I, tell, I told this person, I said, that shows that you're getting answers to your prayers. Because if nothing is happening, if the enemy doesn't see you as a threat to his kingdom, then that means that you're of no use, really, to the kingdom of God. So if you are praying and something is happening, of course the enemy will want to stop and to discourage and to put you down. And so when this demon came out of this lady, the, the, the masters or the slave masters who owned this lady, they got so upset. They were mad that the name of Jesus had done this and that Paul had actually cast out the demon and they turned against Paul. But I think that should be an encouragement for us that as long as we stand in the power and in the name of Jesus, all hell may break loose around us. Things may happen. The more we pray and we see answers, things may actually be getting worse. But that doesn't mean that we should give up. What we do is that we stand in that name, in the power that God has given us. Let me say to us again, 
as I close on this name, that the devil doesn't want to be reminded of this truth. And that's why he will do everything to discourage us from calling on that name, Jesus. He will do everything for us to profane that name, Jesus. He will do everything to deceive us into thinking that we can pray, but without calling on that name, Jesus. What this has done for me is that any time I'm praying and I'm addressing a situation, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. In the name of Jesus Christ. When sickness comes and I lay my hands on myself, even before the consultation for a GP or doctor or anything, Father, in the name of Jesus, this name is greater than sickness and disease. This name is greater than whatever I'm going to face. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Will you make that a habit in your praying life? That when you come to the place of prayer, think of the majesty of that name. Think of how powerful that name is. And think of what can be achieved and what has already been achieved in time with that powerful name of Jesus. Shall we bow our hearts as we reflect on those truths briefly? I could have shown us more examples in Scripture, but I think those two, they are more than enough.